The following Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by donations from listeners like you. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash pachock for your free audiobook download. Live on a slow boat from Urbanka, this is Doctor Who Podshock. Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it. No. I... <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. Who blew that? <laughs> I'm the Doctor. And who are you? Outpost Gallifrey and the Gallifrey Embassy present Doctor Who Podshock, episode 148. Yes. <laughs> uh, my name is Ken Deep, alongside Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello! And across the great pond, none other than the legend himself, Mr. James Norton. Legend, thank you, sir. Hello. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's been an interesting news week. We have a lot in the newsroom, a lot of things to talk about, plus uh, some features today. Well, we actually have like a plan for this show, which will be... We do? <laughs> it'll be a novel idea. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's a first, I think. Uh, <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, despite our lengthy pre-production meetings anyway, we never really have a plan, do we? Meanwhile, we've <laughs> talked like for an hour prior to recording, and we still... Yeah, and out of yeah. That, maybe 5% of that hour was spent on um, record, you know, talking about what we're going to do for this show. <laughs> we're just gossiping. That's all, that's yeah, all we're it. just geeks. Yeah. So Nothing let's like jump that. right into the news, because that's probably... The most um, the most exciting part of the program, I would think or hope. Or... Well, I, I, yeah. I guess the, the the news is mostly made up of uh, these rumors of casting. Just a rumor. indeed. The the first thing which um, Ken actually brought to my attention, he's been really on the ball lately with the rumors. Um, I haven't needed to go on the web at all. I've just kind of been checking my emails, and and Ken's been sending me all these wonderful <laughs> links and stuff. It's been awesome. He's been really on the ball. Um, and the the first story comes through Digital Spy, um, which is a fantastic website for Doctor Who rumours and, well, all, all sorts of stuff to do with television and celebrities. Um, and the headline is, Anderson to make Doctor Who cameo, question mark. And allegedly, according to several reports, um, Gillian Anderson has been asked to make a cameo appearance in, in Doctor Who. And, uh, well, obviously... She's mainly known for being uh, Scully in the X-Files and uh, has, has therefore a massive sci-fi following. Um, and she's been living in the UK. Yes, well, she's she's been a, a British and now she's, native. Now she's doing a play with Christopher Eccleston. She's been I doing think. A Doll's House. She's been, she's, she was cast along with Christopher Eccleston to join the cast of A Doll's House, which is a play in the UK. Mm, so yes, that's so. why she's in the UK, and and this could be the re- the the source of these rumors. Okay, now yeah, the, but so I think she's she's lived in the UK for many years. I think she even has kind of picked up a bit of a a UK accent, which is a bit weird if you hear on her the, speak. On the 
X File, the most recent X Files movie, the the press junket, she was sporting a, a British accent. Yeah, in some of the interviews, you know, which very Madonna esque mm. in wanting to be all Brit. I don't know if she was she was born in the UK originally. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, but the the story goes anyway. According to uh, Digital Spy, they allege that uh, basically uh, they they want Anderson to play a villain, an arch enemy of of the Doctor of the Time Lord. And uh, the theory is is that she will be obviously going to play the Rani of, as a result. <laughs> no way. <laughs> but, you know, no. I think I'm. I no, the way Kev- Patrick Stewart is playing Davros. No, not happening. Yes, seriously. I mean, I can think of nobody better to play the Rani. It would be awesome to have Gillian Anderson on the show, and she would make a fantastic um, uh, uh, Time Lord, I think, or Time Lady. But you know, Ken and I were we should have gave about, some spoiler uh, warnings just in case there, but yeah, it's highly unlikely. I, I think no, yeah, yeah, that's, Spy, that's not a spoiler because it's not happening. Well, Digital yeah. Spy, I think, really picked this up from The Telegraph, which which reported it as well, which I really lost all confidence. Of. Whatever shred of confidence I had in The Telegraph is now um, flushed down. There's no confirmation from the BBC, um, nor has any source been given to uh, where they had learned about Gillian Anderson joining um, Dr. Okay, wait, 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 stop, time out. Here's the scoop. Gillian Anderson is in a play with Christopher Eccleston. The press goes to the opening of the play or goes to review the play. They stick a microphone in front of Gillian Anderson. They say, oh, you're with Christopher Eccleston. Now, you were in the X-Files. He was in Doctor Who. Would you like to be in Doctor Who? She said, oh, it would be be lovely to be in Doctor Who. And and then suddenly Pip and Jane Baker's press people pick up on that and say, she could play the Ronnie. We could get residuals. <laughs> That's well, how I, that think, I think you summed it up very well, Ken, when we were speaking off air about this. And you said, Come on, Stephen Moffat's waited his entire life to be the head producer of Doctor Who. Is he really going to bring back the Rani? I his mean, first returning villain is the Rani. No, yeah, a, not a character who's been in what? Uh, two, uh, two and a half episodes. episodes. Well, two and, official and, con- yeah, canon dimensions in time it, it's, it doesn't make any sense it, it's just She's not been, gonna happen the rani's been in three episodes two of them are complete rubbish no no two episodes <laughs> the third one isn't isn't canon well okay. it, it, it's one well, of those it was fired from a canon it should have been <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it should be fired on by a canon yeah uh, yeah so i don't i i don't think stephen moffat has spent his entire life gearing up to be the showrunner for doctor who to bring the ronnie back i, well, just, I mean no. that's not to say that she can't come back and i mean they... no, if jillian anderson's going to be in the show she's going to play something cool even well, if I... it's a baddie uh, i and, and i was um i was actually running this uh i was conversing with barnaby the the um the uh, DWNY guy. I was going to say president, but I don't know if he actually has a title. I think he is president. So, president of DWNY. We were conversing the other day, and we were talking about this very this very issue, and um, the the subject kind of came up that it would been it would have been cooler if she would have been rumored to be the terrible Zodin. See, that's a Stephen Moffat kind of thing. Like, take a character yeah. from the past who's never been seen and actually make it better than it ever could have been in 1983. Mm. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. You've never mm. seen the character. Yeah, she though I kind of like that we never have, to. and I, I'd rather keep it that way. But, but, mm. it, but at least if Gillian Anderson stepped into a character that never existed, anything could happen. 
she's gonna go in and play a character. It's it's just it's so. Why are we talking about this? It's just such garbage. It's not happening. Move on. I know. Let's move along. Um, and and so, to go with that rumor now is you, and go ahead, James. You lead into the next one. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. That apparently now June Whitfield has been confirmed for the Doctor Who special. Um, the Christmas special, I should say. Again, this story is coming hot off the press from Digital Spy. Um, but they did and, use the word confirmed, which is yes. kind of gutsy if you don't think that you've, you know. Well, they, they're using the word confirmed because um, their well, source is Doctor Who magazine, um, who's confirmed that Whitfield will feature in uh, the final two-part adventure of, of, of David Tennant this year. Um, of course, uh She's known for for being in 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 many British comedy uh, uh, films, the Carry On films spring to mind, along along with things like Absolutely Fabulous, which was a a very uh, famous British comedy show here which, as well which on had, television. Uh, Kate O'Mara in it, who played. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but comes full circle. <laughs> is there is there a Don't chance she's her. playing Donna's grandmother, Wilf's? Well, Why? the thing is, we, we were thinking about this, but her character name is actually called Minnie Hooper. That that apparently is oh, confirmed. God. <laughs> which I think is is you know they couldn't have come up with a more unlikely name, could they? <laughs> Minnie Hooper. Um, and and after that line in Digital Spy, it says this is another classic piece of casting from Andy Pryor and his team with another <laughs> name like Minnie Hooper. Well, that's true that that June is practically television royalty. Um, you know, I, I think this is great that, that June's going to be uh, cast. She's a terrific actress. She's um, got a, uh, a huge uh, uh, line of, of, of great films, great television. She can act. And, and she's also always played these kind of lovable, uh, elderly-type characters. And I think that it's entirely possible that she could play, you know, the love interest of Bernard Cribbin's character, you know, Wilf, because we know that he's definitely going to be a companion. Um, you know, it's it seems semi-clear that they're going to bring Donna back and Rose and um, Captain Jack, although that hasn't been officially confirmed as long as I'm as far as I'm aware. But what I'm kind of ho hoping is is that she will play um, a villain. I think she'd play a brilliant villain. Play against type. Yeah, because, you know, this is ex exactly right. She's usually cast as these lovable, uh, humorous uh, characters. And I think it would be a, a real Make fun. Make her evil then. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, um, um, oh, uh, gosh, a name. Maureen Lippmann who played The Wire. I'm in, hungry. Right. Yes, in The Idiot's Lantern. She usually is, is very much the same. She plays very nice, fun uh, characters. So I think it would be a, a great opportunity for June to do something a bit different. Um, having said that, she could, as you, as you point out, Ken, just be playing you know, Donna's grandmother. Maybe it's a flashback scene or something. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, but... I'm just it's purely off the cuff when you're thinking someone of that age and someone who's got that, that kind of film history uh, alongside someone who's got the same film history as Bernard Cribbins. Um, you know, they, I just seemed, it seemed kind of natural, but maybe they're playing against yeah. each other. That would be wonderful. Now, my, my question comes from uh, now with, with this casting information, does that negate the Claire Bloom story? Yeah. Uh, although her 
rumor was, and this is big time spoiler if it happens to be true, to star as mother of Doctor Who, the um, the Telegraph had reported, which, um, as, as posted by by one person on my Facebook page, saying something along the lines of this this reeks of uh, Philip Siegel, you know, like um, the, the whole Doctor family thing. I don't think that that's a possibility unless it's some in some very bizarre flashback. I mean, yeah. you know, very bizarre. Like um, the way we saw Gallifrey in uh, was it Last of the Time Lords or what was the one right? Yes, before? or the the one prior to that. I, th- I think yeah. it was. You no, know, it... where it's just like this brief glimpse of Gallifrey, and maybe she's saying something to him in a sort of dream state, and it's like one word or something. Maybe I would I would go that clearly the doctor was born at some time but i don't think we're going to get some kind of grand exposition as to the doctor's origins i just think that ruins the show take the who out of doctor who then it's suddenly doctor we know who you are yeah it's a whole different show yeah i i, I kind of agree with you turns here, into house and the thing is is that um there's been a lot of rumors um about what's going to feature in the Christmas specials. And I think that a lot of people think that obviously the master is coming back from, you know, he will knock four times um, reference in Planet of the Dead. And so a lot of rumors that I've heard, a lot of speculation is, is that the Time Lords are coming back and somehow they've all turned evil. But I mean, that just doesn't seem plausible to me. I mean, why, why would, why would Russell T Davies go to all the effort of building up this whole backstory behind the Doctor and how he's the last of the Time Lords, he's the last of his race, he's got this huge guilt because he's basically had to wipe his own race off the, the face of the universe to to you know kill off the Daleks as well. I still think, and I've, I've been saying this for many Podshocks, um, I think the Time Lords are in hiding. I think that's evidenced by the whole fob watch thing that we've seen with the Master and the Doctor. I think the Time Lords are hiding in a huge fob watch. I think the giant fob watch is Big Ben. <laughs> I think the Time Lords are hidden in Big Ben. In the new Big Ben, the one, the one that so you that know, when was every British after. child looks at Big Ben, they say the Time Lords are in there. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it, do- it doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, I, if, if the Time Lords come well, back... No, of course not, but that's what's the brilliance, the genius of Doctor Who. <laughs> but if the Time Lords do come back, I think it will well, be the off, job... It wouldn't be a shock if they were bad, James. I mean, they were pretty brutal in Trial of a Time Lord. No, well, that's that's right. And, you know, yeah. they have this whole you know policy of, of observing and, and not interfering, and that but really is... Corrupt in Colin Baker's era. They were already down yes. that road. So yeah, it, it, I, I have, I have no objections me. to them to them being bad. What I have the objection to is, is is why would Russell build all that up and leave it so much potential and so much there with the character to then, you know, well, effectively... Well, I, I think that was all a storytelling device. You know, the whole time war was just... And, and to get rid of Gallifrey is just to get rid of the extra baggage so that it wouldn't, quote, alienate, unquote, you know, new viewers. New so, viewers, yeah. Which, uh, well, for I, me, I, I rather I think a character is more interesting as a renegade from his own people than being a sole survivor or the, the, the last of his kind, to me, isn't as exciting as um, being on the run from his own people. and, and um, Trying I, to outsmart the them all the time. Yeah, I mean, I prefer the doctor in that role as opposed to 
just being the last of his kind, which obviously well, he's that, not. That could it that could be a possibility in in flipping everything that we now know. In other words, flipping it from going from um, last of the Time Lords to back to he's really on the run and he's really on the run because they're after him for some reason. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, fun possibilities that you could do in this story. Go yeah. back to the essence of Doctor Who, which is that he's on the run and he's on the run, like James just said, maybe because they're evil and now they're suddenly turned against him. I mean, there's all kinds of great possibilities. I mean, the Doctor character himself is a anti-hero. He's a um, he's a rebel. He goes against. I mean, he's a the criminal trend. himself, so he you know he you can't really he's which was kind of hinted at with um, this last special Planet of the Dead, you know where. You know, he's chastising um, Lady Christina for being a thief, yet he's a thief himself. He stole the TARDIS. Yeah. But he, he he's a thief with a, uh, a moral compass. And that's the interesting twist there, is that he's capable of doing some terrible things. But he, he always does those in, you know, in, in terms of kind of the greater good. I mean, he, he never um, willingly... Uh, does something to endanger other people or, or, or harm anybody else. Unless it's the Colin Baker error. <laughs> well, okay. But we all know that that's been kind of something where he, he wanted to, to develop the character but wasn't really allowed to or or couldn't do it in the way that he wanted to. Um, but in, in, in a very practical way, the show comes back. Again, like Lewis said, they don't want to alienate um, new viewers, so they make this mystery. They've got a great actor who can pull off the whole lonely thing in in Christopher Eccleston. They play into that, but mm. now that the show is back, it's established itself. New fans are familiar with the Doctor's backstory. Old fans are familiar with the Doctor's backstory. Now they can go wherever they want with it, and and why not bring Gallifrey back? No, I I think I would w definitely want to see Gallifrey to come back, but I just think it makes more sense for Stephen Moffat to do it as the new producer, unless they've heavily conversed and said, well, you know, you should do it this way, or you know, to fit in with what I'm going to do. Oh, in, to to know, lead it to Matt series. Smith, you suddenly make him the renegade again. That gives that's Matt Smith's motivation now. Mm. In other no, words, I think I, I completely agree. With you you hand that off and say, now you're on the run, you know, and that's. Maybe that's the Matt Smith era is being on the run again. I mean, it makes total sense for the Doctor to be a renegade. That's how we all grew up with him. We all, um, as, as longtime Doctor Who fans, have known the character from the standpoint is that he's, he's on the run from um, the, the Time Laws or he's an outcast. He, you know, he's, he's in exile. Um, and, and, and that's... Uh, one of the the corner pieces of the show and i understand that they kind of had to to change that to bring it back um but i, I just i i just don't know how it would the, the the kind of speculation that i've heard has been nonsensical and I, I i guess people are getting overly excited because there's a possibility that the master could be coming back and you know there's, there's been the rumor out there for a long time that john sim would return even i think for series four, they were on about him coming back. Well, since the master has been introduced back in the Pertwee era, he's always come back, and you know you can't keep a good master down. Even in, in yeah. his last regeneration, he was falling apart, and he still looks coming back. <laughs> so it's no great surprise if he comes back. Whether or not it's John Sim or not, it leads you know that, that we don't know yet. But yeah, I, I, Maybe I can, it's we can rest Anderson. assured that the master will be back in some form or another. 
Maybe it's Julian Anderson's hand with the nail polish that picks up the ring at the end that's of, right. you know, Last of the Time Lords. Yeah, I think Julian right. Anderson's the master before before it's the Ronnie. And that would open <laughs> the door to a lot. That would allow the next Doctor to be a woman if we can establish that Time Lords can change sex. Mm. Of course, that's all poo-poo. I'm not I'm making all that stuff up. I don't really think that. <laughs> we, we were definitely being serious there. Well, I, I, I still think, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I'm not speculating that, that the Ronnie's coming back in, um, in Stephen Moffat's first um, series, I'm, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. as a idea, I think she can come back, and I think they could do her well. She doesn't have to be the same character sure. that she was when we last saw her in, in that Sylvester McCoy story, which, you know, I erased from my memory. So, it, it, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I mean, they could no, do, think, they could do the character justice, you know. It, I think we all would like to see the Rani to come back. I just think that I I completely agree with Ken. Is why why would Steve Moffat and his first, you know, outing as producer bring back the Rani? If you ask any Doctor knows. Who fan, if you ask any Doctor Who fan, okay, what monsters would you like to see come back? What enemies would you like to see come back? Most people, I think, would probably say the Silurians. Probably, I think, would be. That would be high list. on my list. That would be number one. I would, that would be my, number one for my me. My producership would start with a Silurian and Sea Devil story. Yeah, uh, to my but mind, they were great bad guys. I think they could do a. I could think the current sci- this current special effect technology would do it so much justice. Um, Everyone always asks for the Zygons. You know, the Zygons I, would I don't, be second I don't on my list. That. I, I always always wondered why are the Zygons so popular. Well, they were, um, I mean, for its time, the, um, the one story that they did have, in, it was, um, they were an impressive alien, you know. It was a, and yeah. I guess only because they have just one, you know, and, and it is so popular, <laughs> everyone wants them back. Okay. And I think, they, you know, they've built up this whole stuff with UNIT now, that they could, they could do... Um, a Zygon story with 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 unit in. I think you know people would like that. I'd I'd like that. Um, you know because they have a, a prior knowledge of of the Zygons. They could go back and have you know uh, something to, which is what I really enjoy is when they really tie the old the classic series with the new series. Um, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, this is what I love about the new. <laughs> series and when it, when there's a new special coming out everybody getting excited and thinking about what what could they bring back you know what could they do and um how they're going to do it that that's what that's the the best time to be a doctor who fan almost the suspense of waiting for the new series and what how it's all going to unfold and especially now because we know that you know david tennant's passing on the torch so okay let's well, let, I want, let's, let's do that on. in the 2012 I'm, olympics I'm going to wrap, bring this back around to, as they say, just the facts. So um, uh, to move on to the next news story, the news this week breaking that Planet of the Dead will be available in the UK on Blu-ray, mm. I find wonderful. And I really yes. hope that they decide that they want to put Bl- uh, Planet of the Dead out on Blu-ray in America as well. That would be spectacular because it would be our introduction to Blu-ray and Doctor Who on Blu-ray here in the States. Plus, it hasn't aired here yet, so the sales would be strong. And if you made it just Blu-ray, you might get a few people who bought a Blu-ray player who are diehard Doctor Who fans who would be like, okay, that's my reason for buying a Blu-ray. Well, I, I can go and buy a Blu-ray and go get the new Doctor Who that I haven't seen yet. 
Yeah, I, I suspect if they release it here in Blu-ray, which I hope they do, they'll do it as a four-package set of the four specials, the 2009 specials, just like they'll probably do that with the DVDs. So it'll probably be, yeah. um, the, the, be a four-pack of the, of the DVDs. Or they might even be a five-pack. They include the, the, um, the second, what was it, the, the, the Christmas special, the, the, the next doctor. Yes. James, no. do you have a Blu-ray yeah. player? I don't. Um, I'm okay. completely SD, I have to say. Low um, def. But I, yeah, low def, indeed. Um, and the reason why I am is that uh, a lot of television here isn't HD yet. Um, I mean, I have, if I do watch any HD content, I use my computer. Um, mm. And a, another perfect example of that is that on iTunes right now, you can buy Planet of the Dead in both high def and standard definition or low def, as you, you like to call it. <laughs> in um, the UK only. In the UK only, sadly. I hope that they bring it to the States. I'm sure that they will, but I guess it's uh, it's a rights or licensing thing because I guess sci-fi or SIFI or... I think, no, it's BBC America. It's tied, the, the iTunes US is tied to BBC America. Nothing gets, shown, right. nothing gets released on iTunes until it's shown on BBC America first. Right. That, well, that's what I was thinking with SIFI. You know, maybe SIFI would... Um, would show it first and then it would be on iTunes, but it's BBC America, okay. But I I, I agree with you, Ken. I would probably buy a Blu-ray player um, along with, a, a you know, a nice HD set TV to to watch this because uh, it's it's really exciting that they've finally made the transition over into high definition. And, yeah. um, and it looks spectacular in high definition. It does. The way even, even – well, when we were talking with Amy um, – you know, when we recorded, what was it, 146, um, even just on SD, the quality looked, you could tell that it was filmed in high definition. The quality was superb. The way that they'd shot it was incredible. Um, yeah, because it's, it's a lot easier going from um, high def to, you know, stepping it down than stepping it low def up, you know. Yes, yeah. Up converting is, um, down converting is, you know, you'll get a better picture than up converting. Than up converting, yeah. Um, but it, it's, I should make the point that Planet of the Dead is also coming out on DVD, and it's going to be released here for Region 2 anyway on the 29th of June, um, which is quite quick, really, uh, the turnaround, I think, considering that they'll... I don't know if they'll have... You can pre-order it, it through Amazon right now. We've got links to it on our site. Yeah. I don't, is, is it going to be a vanilla DVD? Are they just having literally the episode, or is there going to be a commentary and you know Easter eggs and all the rest of it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the details. Fair enough. I, d I don't know either. I should have done the research on that earlier. But, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they wrap the next Doctor, Planet of the Dead, the Waters of Mars and the Christmas specials into a box set as well. But I don't think it would make sense to, you know, put that on f with Series 5 in a box set. Yeah, I mean, so far here in the U.S., they haven't been releasing, um, you know, anything after, um, you know, since Doctor Who's come back. They've been doing them as box sets. They haven't been releasing them as individual episodes. Oh, they haven't been doing the vanilla DVDs? No, not in the U.S. Wow. No, you can only buy them in um, series sets. So that's why my speculation is that we won't see Planet of the Dead Blu-ray. Uh, Blu we'll see it in a box set with I the see. other specials. I'm with you. I'm with you. I didn't realize that. Plus, by the time they had enough to make a box set of the of the specials, they would have already aired here most likely yes and i think also a lot more people will have i mean i don't know what the situation is in the states but here in the uk most people don't have a blu-ray player yet most people are, uh, are hanging on with dvds um 
a, a lot of people do have HD tellies and, and Blu-ray players, but most people don't. And the reason for that is, I think, because TV, most TV channels are still standard def. So what's the point in buying a big flashy HD telly when you can't, you know, watch most of your content most of the stuff that you watch is is in is in sd so mm. um which is the reason why i'm clinging on to my blessed old crt <laughs> old school you're, telly you're a klingon <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so well, what else do we have in the news gentlemen it's on may 16th we're doing a our second second life meetup where Anyone, wherever you're located, be it in the UK, Australia, Canada, wherever you happen to be, uh, borders mean nothing here. You can come and join us in a virtual reality, which is Second Life, and it's a way for us to have a meetup with um, everyone that's listening to the show and everyone in the Gallifreyan Embassy and all Doctor, all Doctor Who fans alike can come together for a meeting and conversation, and there's going to be a special event on Second Life on May 16th. We'll have details on our website, so um, mm, keep... Watch out for that. Yeah, it's podshock.net or gallifernembassy.org, and we'll have details there. It's going to be an all-day thing, but there's going to be probably a four-hour event within that all-day event, so where both um, myself and James, and if, we can, if Ken's available, if he's not working, if he can be there... This is way. This way, you have an opportunity to, um, to in a sense, meet us if you if that's your intent. But even if we're not there, there'll be other Doctor Who fans. So it's a a call out for all Doctor Who fans to come to Second Life, no matter where you mm. are. You just need Second Life is free. If you don't have an account, it's free to join. You get an avatar that represents yourself. You can dress it any way you like. We we're working on on something that maybe we can get you dressed up in something in a Doctor Who fashion. So. <laughs> more details on that as you know as they're developed yeah i'd i'd like to give a, a big shout out and and huge thanks to uh, terry and nick yes for helping us out with this they really are awesome people they were there um we were chatting to them last week about this they were there when we had our first second life meetup in doctor who uh, for doctor who podshock um which we did in the land of doctor who and mm -hmm. uh, we actually got them onto Second Life because of that. And they met as a result, which is awesome. And uh, they do all sorts of really cool stuff in Second Life. They built TARDISes and they've really done a lot of stuff in a whole load of intricate detail. It's amazing. Yeah, they're I mean, there now professionally. So it's. Yes, they, they do it partly for their profession. Yeah. What does that mean? I'm well, they, sorry, they I'm not sell, How do you make make Second Life a profession? Well, the, the currency in there is a, a currency in Second Life uh, called Linden Dollars, which I think is the company that founded it. Is 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 Linden or something along those lines, which is 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 related to real currency. So people buy Linden Dollars with actual dollars or pounds or whatever it might be, um, and with that money you can use it to to purchase land in within Second Life within the virtual environment. Props. And purchase props, costumes and... costumes, and people can make costumes and, and props and various other things. They build them, they make them um, in scripts this 3D world. as well. And... Yes, and they can sell them on to other people for a profit. So a lot of people for, you know, sort of almost like a part-time job um, 
uh, you know, sell this stuff, build this stuff and sell it on Second Life. Also, and, uh, companies will have a presence on Second Life. It's sort of like having a website, except for now it's a 3D virtual environment sense. So uh, yeah. major companies will want to have themselves represented there so that um, be it stores or whatever, virtual stores, but they want people there representing their company there as well so that they yeah. have, they, they, they'll pay staff people to be on Second Life to represent their company. It really is. I mean, it's amazing that, I mean, I, I, to be honest, me and Liz were talking about this before. We just, we just don't have enough time for it because it's amazing what's all, all the stuff that's on there. There's I don't virtual... have enough time for my first life, let alone my second yeah, life. Yeah, second life. So <laughs> it, it really is awesome. And you should, you should check it out, even if it's only once, because it does kind of pull you in. And uh, I, I have to remind myself that my first life takes priority <laughs> yes yes well um, um and just a recommendation is that you probably need broadband um if you're doing yes. the dial-up i don't think you're gonna enjoy the experience whatsoever you may not even be able to connect so um yeah you would need broadband and obviously a um a computer that's a more modern i mean it doesn't have to be the latest you know powerhouse computer but something that's um not 10 years old either yeah because it is quite graphically intensive yeah. and you'll see that when you when you go online but it's it's well worth it if you've got the time we'd love to see you there uh, as lewis said more details on our website to follow podshock.net yes yes and with that we'll be right back after these important messages this is deborah watney and you are listening to doctor who podshock You have heard us mention it before. If you love Doctor Who Podshock and you also love British science fiction, be sure to subscribe to our other podcast we do, The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. That's right. Ken, James, and myself team up as we do here in Doctor Who Podshock, but this time we paint with a much broader palette covering all British science fiction. Everything from Blake 7 to Torchwood to The Prisoner, UFO, Space 1999, The Thunderbirds, Tripods, Day of the Triffids, Sarah Jane Adventures, Red Dwarf, War of the Worlds, Tomorrow People, even Doctor Who, you name it. If it's British and it's science fiction, we try to cover it. Find it on iTunes or go to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com for show listings and RSS feeds. The Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. And joining me, as always, is James and Ken. Yes, my cat is battering down the door. If you hear any noise in the background, one of the critters is trying to break into the room. Maybe they want to be part of the show. Maybe they yeah, saw... Um, survival. Survival. I was thinking of gate uh, gridlock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> With Brannigan. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bama. So okay. we also want to uh, welcome, in addition to any cats or kittens that are listening, uh, we also want to welcome back Audible dot com they're once again sponsoring doctor who project so we welcome them back as a sponsor and, and thank them and thank them yes thank you very much and just like what you're listening to right now is a podcast audible offers audible audio books 
obviously, <laughs> which um, is playable in any, any just like this podcast, you, be your iPod or a CD or a computer or whatever. You can play it back just like you're listening to right now. It's a great format. They have hundreds of uh, titles. They have, th- they have thousands of titles. What am I saying? Uh, both science and science fiction and fact and fantasy. So um, and not just sci-fi, but all kinds of different titles. Yes, also, it doesn't also, have to be sci-fi. Yeah. I did um, buy my latest one for the month, my month of May selection, which I downloaded it late yeah. last night. Was the which is the second Peladon story with Sarah Jane? Is it? It's Monster Peladon, right? Yes, first is yeah. the first one. Yeah, uh, Monster is my, my my May download. Why don't we hear a little sample of that right now? Sign the treaty. We must honor it. I intend that we should do so. Right from the day Chancellor Hepesh died, I served your father loyally. I worked for the things he believed in. Progress, civilization, the Federation. Now there is war with Galaxy 5 and our people have to make sacrifices. Yes, but in a quarrel, not their own. We have to accept the duties of Federation membership as well as the benefits. Mighty Agador, make known your will. Do not seek vengeance on your servants. Later in the temple, Chancellor Ortron makes offerings of incense to a stone effigy of Agador, the royal beast. Let your judgment fall on those who have truly offended thee. In the tunnels beneath, a guard is on patrol. He turns to listen and then hides behind a rock as the blue police box shape of the TARDIS materializes. The Citadel of Paladin, Sarah. One of the most interesting... The doctor stops in his tracks. Oh, no, it isn't. Is it, doctor? No, not exactly. No, it's not your precious citadel at all. It's another rotten, gloomy old tunnel. There's one with the scanner still on the blink. There was no way I could really check. There's more than the scanner on the blink. The doctor locks the TARDIS door. Come on, let's go and see where we are. April was censorites, which I listened to twice, I have to say. I love it. Uh, it's just uh, I I like the classic audios audio stories, but there's also the Doctor Who books, you yeah. Know, some read by David Tennant and stuff like that. All those are brilliant. Of course, I'm I'm just very partial to listening, especially with the narration. Just listening to a classic episode. I, I, I've said that many times before, and I actually was doing a long drive, and I put on the Sensorites, and it was great because my three hour ride was taken up with two and a half hours of the Sensorites, which you just can't go wrong. Mm. And we have to make a point out that thanks again to Audible, they have a, a great offer, especially for you guys, our listeners, that you can get a free audiobook download when you sign up for your free trial today. And that's in, um, just in the United States, though, right? Is that- yeah, just in the US. But you go to what you do is you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash podshock. And you fill you you register there. You just fill in a few details, and you you can download uh, a free audiobook of your choice right now today. It's really cool. It's really neat. Um, the, the sad thing is, is that obviously I would love to do this, but I'm in the UK. Maybe we can talk to them and see if we can uh, get it uh, available to our, our yeah, UK listeners. Yeah, I'm sort of working well. on that, seeing if we can. I know one of our listeners said that they did contact Audible.com themselves, and they managed to get their free Audible copy through the UK store. So. 
if by all means we encourage you to do that if if, if, if it's possible but right now well, the customer please. service is very good because i i yeah. call them actually there's a there's an 800 number on there and audible is like very customer friendly and i, I was very impressed by that and they so I suppose if you are in the UK, you pick up the phone, you make a phone call, all the information's on all Audible's website, and you just say, "Hey, look, this is this is the deal. I'm a Podshock listener. I want to, you know, I want to get involved. This sounds sounds cool. It's a it's like a subscription service. You you get a, a credit and you can download whatever you want. And you choose how many downloads you'd like uh, on a monthly basis or on a yearly basis, whatever you want to do. There's- Some people get their credits all at once. Some people get them like I do once a month." Yeah. And as we were saying, there's 50,000 titles to choose from. They're adding more all the time from every genre. Again, not just science fiction. We're, we're emphasizing science fiction as science fact because we're assuming that's what you might be interested in, but it could be anything. So and check for, them out. Audible for has it covered. Hitchhikers, listeners, and Blake 7 fans like myself, the latest two Blake 7 audiobooks, the ones that Gareth Thomas and Paul Darrow did, they're available at, audio, uh, at Audible. So that's pretty cool because if you're curious about it or you're a blake seven fan there they are and as mm. james has mentioned go to audiblepodcast.com slash podshock to get your free audible book today that's a free audible book download when you sign up for a free trial so it's really um it's a it's a great deal if you've got yeah. the enhanced podcast the link is in there now or you can always go to podshock.net or gallifreyandembassy.org mm-hmm. absolutely sweet cool so what are we doing for our feature? Well, we promised the listeners, Way I guess, I don't when. know how many shows, it must be four or five shows ago now, that we would review For to Doomsday. And we kind of got um, carried away because I think it was even before we went away to Gallifrey. It, it was, it we're, was. we're procrastinators. It's just that simple. I mean, yeah. it's just we're, we're procrastinators. But, wow. I mean, we got so excited with, with Gallifrey happening and, and, and since then we've had Planet of the Dead and stuff. So we have to say real sorry to our listeners if they've been expecting this. But we're, we're finally getting around to it now. Most people um, are going, they, they said that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a Order Doomsday. So the three of us to the, Doomsday are going to review Doomsday. Four to Doomsday. Yeah. Mm, mm. The DVD of Four to Doomsday. Yes, but obviously classic series, uh, Peter Davison. Actually, the first Peter Davison um, shot. story that they filmed, that yeah. they shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, really interesting on that level. And the uh, the special features uh, were basically focusing heavily on that. And they had uh, uh, several interviews with Peter way back in 1982 when he first started um, uh, about what it what he was going to bring to the the role and what it was going to be like to to play the doctor and all that kind of stuff all the usual questions that they ask someone when they go, when they find out that they're going to be taking over as the doctor um, it was uh, first broadcast way back in I think it was January the 18th or January the 26th again in 1982 in in four twice weekly parts uh, obviously I love the idea that Davison recorded um his his first recording was a, an episode that was broadcast a little bit further down the line i thought that was a smart idea that he yeah. could ju- he was able to jump right into the role without having to feel his way around the whole establishing he could turn around and look back at the regeneration stuff in other words he could already be in the role a little bit and then turn around and say how did i get to that point I thought it was a smart idea. And you know, it's funny when you when you realize that this is his first his first Outfit. days at, mm-hmm. a, as the doctor, you don't notice. No, you don't. 
Yeah. At all. You don't say, geez, he didn't do that again. You know, like he's, he was right on point, right out of the box. And I was, um, it's just amazing when you, when you look back in, in retrospect. Yeah, no, he, his green, you know, isn't showing there. I mean, he seemed like he's already established in the role. So I, I think um, hats off to Peter Davison for that. Mm, very clever that they, that they did that. Um, companions, of course, being at the, the time, Nissa, Tegan and Adric. And if you um, add them up, it's four to doomsday. Indeed. So hence the, the title. Uh, <laughs> I to, love to, the story. I have yeah. to come right out and say I love the story. I know so you know occasionally it'll get a little mixed reviews. Some people think it might have been a bit dry. I think the story's great, and it's one of the stories that locked me in on Davis Davison very early um, as an as a new viewer way back some twenty five or more years ago. I just locked right in on it. I thought it was a lot of fun and clever, and it uh, I don't know how to explain that it it it. it it just seemed very natural. It just seemed like a good science fiction story. Yeah. They didn't have to be um, glitzy with it. It was just a sci-fi story. And I'm, I don't know, I just always enjoyed this. And, and the DVD is nice. I thought that the DVD is pretty cool. I like the, you know, the commentaries and the special features and stuff. Yeah. There's yeah. a great um, uh, Peter Davison on some talk show where he, tries to make a milkshake or something it's yeah it's, and it, it all goes horribly <laughs> wrong yes and his his wife of the time um sandra i think it's, yeah sandra sandra's Dixon. on there sandra mm-hmm. dixon is on there um which it's which makes for interesting viewing if you're a hitchhikers fan as well sure. um i i kind of agree with ken um I, for me i i think it's it's uh uh an interesting story um i i'm I would say that it's it didn't really hook me as as much as it did Ken I think um but without I don't know if people have, have seen it but I don't want to give too much away in terms of the story um but in terms of the ideas of kind of like the technology uh mm-hmm. from my mind it was kind of a, a big thing where technology and intelligence play like a really important part in the story um and it had some very very nicely designed sets i think um and it was it was great to see that 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 they was they were still investing that after tom baker it wasn't just like oh well there's a new guy here we'll we'll just we'll in order to to let him take the reins a bit we're gonna edge off the budget a little bit and and make it more focused on the characters they also invested in the characters but as well as that they invested in in the sets and and the storyline yeah, I mean, I, um, I just I just to comment on the sets because I I also wanted to make a point about that too. That the sets were, uh, it was it was it's a bottle episode, and to speak that um, the whole story takes place on board this spaceship that they're on, mm-hmm. and they went very much. Um, they, they really did an elaborate job in in constructing yeah. the, the set design, which they really had to repurpose a lot of the same sets to make them look like different rooms, and they I think they achieved that goal very well yeah. here in yeah. this episode. Yeah, lighting. Um, cleverly uh, directed and, and, and shot. And also, it's a multi-level set, so that sometimes you'll see them on a mezzanine type of, you know, looking down and where where they're dancing and so forth. So, um, you know, they had that... Um, it wasn't just side to side, as you normally see in sets. It's up and down as well, which is... Um, it just happened as a coincidence. I just happened to be watching this week uh, Planet of Evil, and on that set as well, they again, they... they 
uh, on that spaceship, they were very uh, um, conscious of up and down as well. So there were shots looking down and shots looking up at, at actors that are up on, on another level. So, um, so yeah, it, it's, they did the same thing here in Fort of Doomsday. Mm. I think it's, it's a nice story and it, it flows very well. But the, I thought the, it does the, slow. It does kind of slow down in certain well, parts. Well, there's, there's a lot of filler. I think I don't think it really needed to be a four-parter. I think that they could have gotten away with two or three um, episodes because the 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 uh, I think it shines in terms of the the subject matter is fantastic. It's a great idea for a story, um, and it has some fantastic cliffhangers. Um, uh, and I think that the 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 the, the main, main problem that I have with the uh, with the story, the the kind of the worst element of it, is the kind of they had this whole stupid idea of entertainment, like an enten- entertainment room mm-hmm. variety show type thing. It was used to pad out the show and uh, the story out an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you knew that it was going to play like an integral part as being like a distraction or, you know, something along those lines. And it, it's all very messy and kind of mindless, really. It doesn't, to me, it didn't mesh with the rest of the story. With the re- it didn't fit in with the feel of the rest of the serial. See, um, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that they, the cultures that they picked and that they, um, they utilized in the story. I thought that was that part. I understand that it, you, you feel that it was. It, kind of, it was overused. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think it, it doesn't mesh well. How how brilliant is it that you just have this Japanese dragon thing going around and the and the and the uh, you know the different cultures and the, and the music and stuff and they just. It, but it, it got to the point where it just seemed like filler. Uh, I respectfully disagree. Yeah. But okay. I'm smiling. I think we, you're gonna. <laughs> I, for me, that was that was my major. Um, Different, different Doctor Who fans, um, and particularly I, I noticed with British fans, many many remember certain things about Doctor Who that resonate all the way into their adulthood. Where they they look back and they say there was some striking imagery, something that really, you know, they'll never forget that time they saw whatever fill in the blank there on Doctor Who. Uh, Stephen Moffat wrote about his first time watching Inferno alone. That was like a, a, he was a, he was a boy and his mother and his father didn't want to watch Doctor Who and he watched it Mm -hmm. or whatever by himself. There's different things. People will remember the, the Cybermen coming out of the, you know, out of the tombs or ripping things open. They're striking visuals. Me as a new Doctor Who fan in, in 1984, I guess, or 83, when, when we saw this on PBS, the cricket ball scene is one of the most memorable, one of the first images that I remember from Doctor Who as a wow. Doctor Who fan. I remember the owl in um, in Pirate Planet, and I remember the cricket ball scene. I vividly remember that, and I vividly remembering, wow, what a cool idea to do on a science fiction show. Like, it just seemed kind of, you know, people kind of take that to task sometimes, that whole scene, but I... I it made a it made an impression on me that really got me into this show. That and then not long after that, the Concords in Time Flight, people beat the hell out of Time Flight, and, and you know, I I like the way it, it, and I'm jumping to Time Flight, but I like the way they didn't treat the crew of 
um, the airplanes as boobs. They, they're, they're fleshed out characters who are smart and, and dealt with with respect. And that was because British Air stepped in. But, uh, you know, just great stuff. And going back mm. to Four to Doomsday, the, the villains are smart. They're not. Yes, they are. Yeah. Some goofy, grand planned numbnuts. They're real. They're the the uh, the characters have very distinct personalities, very distinct roles in the story. And. I don't know. It all, it all worked for me. I give this story four, maybe even four and a half TARDIS groans out of five. I mm. always like I, I, I'm going to give it um three because for me i agree with a with a lot of what ken said um the sets are fantastic and there is a lot of visually interesting imagery and really i think quite advanced for you know 1982 and it was great that they almost in terms of production anyway they they pulled out all the stops um for one of peter's first stories so uh, his first story to be filmed um but second story to be you know shown to the public um, but, uh, you know, I think that there was a little bit too much filler there for me. And, uh, I think that it would have, it would have worked a bit better if, if it was a bit, you know, faster paced. Um, and, and surprisingly, you know, I remember, I think that this was one of the, um, very last stories to be released on video on VHS. Um, and it's, it's nice that they've, um, that they've gotten around to releasing on DVD and it's not going to be one of the, the last stories to yeah, be released fairly on quickly, DVD. which meant the VHS probably sold well. Yeah. I think that was probably the reason for it because, you know, um, uh, it's nice that, that, that they have that kind of feedback and I'm sure that the restoration team has had a big say in that as well, talking to, to, to entertain and saying, you know, this is one of the stories that are sold very well on VHS that a lot of people like we, you know, and indeed Peter Davidson's first real outing, a lot of people want to see it so let's do it and and they've they've accommodated them so that's really great i don't know what you think about it lewis what did what would you rate it as well i thought it was a um as a science fiction fan i enjoy it for the science fiction elements i i thought it was a good nice uh um breather episode in a sense where kind of I mean, it, it, the pacing, I do have a problem, as you said, James, with the pacing. I think the pacing slowed down a bit mm -hmm. and dragged at certain points. And, you know, as interesting as all the dancing and all that was, I think it could have been abbreviated a little bit more and just a, a little bit more, it, um, maybe some, uh, it, it just seemed to slow down the story a bit. So, mm -hmm. um but I did like some of the, again, which we already spoke about, the sets and the designs there, I think, work very well. Also, the uh, the effects of the um, the, the ball, that the, the camera yeah, ball. Yeah, the, the kind of camera, that sort was of stuff. Star Wars droid type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, which originally they had, you know, in the, intended on using that in the, you know, the Mos Eisley Star Wars sequence. They had, uh, you know, and they just couldn't do it in, at that time. And here, just a few years later, on a... Um, on a less, you know, on a, on a, on a much smaller scale, as far as budget is concerned, they were able, able to achieve this just using, um, you know, uh, the video, um, studio effects that they were able to do that. So, uh, mm -hmm. I think they, that really worked well and it's, it's enjoyable for what it is, but it's not, um, 
it's not on the top of my list. It's not on my the bottom of my list. So again, I just like James, I'm giving it three Tardis groans. It's um, it, I think you can appreciate it for what it is, and if you're um, and if if you come from that science fiction mold, you you may like it more than if you don't. Yeah. But I, I agree with Ken. The the cricket ball scene in it is awesome. That's very iconic. Even if the effects by today's standards are a little bit dodgy, that those are probably the worst effects in the whole thing. Um, but the ending is very good. Yeah, I, I mean they they it, were wearing these helmets and they, they they were supposed to be giving them oxygen and they were clearly not really attached to their faces and all that. But you can let that kind of slide with Doctor Who. It's the storytelling <laughs> yeah. that's. Yeah. Um, the most important thing here the characters and storytelling is always uh, prominent with um with Do- paramount with doctor who and and the rest you kind of kind of uh fill in with your mind if you like yeah one of the one of the one of the um the geniuses of doctor who is um how things tie together and and i loved in fort of doomsday the doctor and nissa are are ogling the um, lab equipment you know, talking about is this, is it, what's this, and you know, is that one oh, of these yeah, things? The yeah. They're going through all this stuff, and it reminds me of. Remember, in Keys of Marinus, Hartnell did the same thing. I think with, with, uh, with Ian, they were, they were being, uh, they were being tricked into thinking they were in a laboratory that had everything, and and their little banter about is, is that an electron microscope, Doctor, and all that kind of stuff, and and it all ties together. It, it's a current. It's. 1982 connecting with 1964 and and that's just brilliant Mm, mm, mm. the character is the same through all those years Mm. he's just you know got a different face and might be slightly younger (laughs) all right well that's our uh, that's our take a bit on for the doomsday it's available on dvd as you all know if you'd like to rent it it's in the U.S. Netflix, it's region probably. one, region two, I think region four as well, right for Australia. I think so. so yeah. um, if if there's an episode of Peter Davison one, you want to check out his first story filmed. You can check out Fort of Doomsday, and uh, we'll be right back on Doctor Who Pachak, made possible in part by you and the good folks at Audible this week. Hey, remember when trying to find something to listen to was a chore? Then came podcasts. Now you can find just what you want and listen to it when you want. Your audio, your way. Doctor Who Pachak is made possible in part by listeners like you. We just want to say thank you to all those that have and continue to support the show through the years. You can do the same by visiting pachak.net. Click on the donate link. Thank you, Tom Eggert, for your recent donation. And we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. Um, so next time, uh, following right off the bat of our review of uh, Fort of Doomsday, we're going to sit down. Got us thinking. 
yeah, it got us thinking, and we're going to uh, sit down and maybe have a little bit of chat about the the Easter eggs on the DVD. So maybe if you want to run out and go and buy the DVD if you haven't already got it or rent it, <laughs> uh, ready for next time, and then well, it, we'll sit we're... down and put you through it. Yep. Episode 149, we, did, we were talking about what could we do for, for next time. And in episode 149, that, this is the game plan, mind you, because we remember how long it took us to review Fort of Doomsday. Uh, <laughs> we want to do a feature on, on some of the Easter eggs on the Doctor Who DVD. So Easter eggs are, are great fun, little hidden gems that are on there. And uh, we're going to just run through some of them and some highlights and some lowlights for that matter. Uh, as to Easter eggs, so that's something no, to look forward no, to. We're next. not going to tell you where it is on the podcast. You're going to have to find it yourself. What? <laughs> that's just mean, <laughs> Lewis. I, I, you know, we forgot that's to give the you whole a thing sh- about Easter eggs. We, uh, I forgot to give you a, 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 a shameless plug for your appearance on Who on Who. Yes, yeah. I was on uh, the most. I, I don't know if it's the most recent episode, but last week I was on Who on Who. Uh, David Huey does a podcast on uh reviewing just like we just did a bit for the doomsday reviewing various doctor who episodes on dvd and we did vengeance on varos a colin baker story and it was a lot of fun so check it out and i think ken you're going to be making an appearance soon i am i'm on deck on the next one and uh david and i'll be reviewing the inferno yeah awesome it's it's one of my favorite pertwees and um so i'm looking forward to that I've, i've actually Scary. I've done more research for David's podcast than I did for Podshock. Shame. <laughs> Half for the course. Oh, Half for the course. Oh boy. <laughs> so James is the only one left that hasn't been on on the uh, Who on Who. I'm sure he'll he'll uh, rope me into it in some point, and I'd I'd love to go along. It's uh, I I've, I've known uh, David Huey for for quite a while. He's an awesome chap, and uh, I w- I wouldn't mind being on there if he, if he'd have me. If he'd have me, oh, on. I'm sure he would. He has to complete the collection, you know. He has to have one. Yeah, he has to go for the hat trick now. <laughs> yes. Nice. Hockey reference. Bravo. <laughs> My, our, Can- our friends to the north would be very proud of you, our Canadian listeners. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad that I can, uh, can please our friends in the north. So, uh, speaking of our good mates, there's been a lot of feedback this time, um, mainly centered a lot about uh, Planet of the Dead, because, well, we, we did our um, live review, which sadly I couldn't be a part of last week, but it apparently went down the storm. Lewis was telling me about it and saying that it ran almost over two hours, yeah, which well is always, hours. always a good thing in terms of Podshock. It's, uh, we've got to have a good length there in terms of uh, time. So uh, well, to that we have end, so many people calling into the show that you know it's yeah, it's you know, it would be a shame to only get three callers in when you have you know several dozens waiting in the wings waiting to speak. So we did a, a two-parter, and that's episode one forty-six and one forty-seven of Doctor Who Podshock. Mm. So what I thought I'd do is I'd uh, read out a couple of emails that we got um, from various people uh, with respect to, to Planet of the Dead and, and what they thought of it. So here's the first one. It says, "Good afternoon, Podshock crew." My name is Jim E. O'Connor from Brooklyn, New York. Hey, he's a New York lad, lads. I'm new to uh, the Podshock experience, having started off with Podshock episode 135, the second part to the Peter Davison interview. Since December, I've enjoyed listening to Podshock, crew interaction, and the feedback from Who fans. I've been a Doctor Who admirer since 1988, watching Tom Baker, Peter Davison and Colin Baker reruns on PBS just prior to its long hiatus. 
since the advent of the, the new series and the BBC selling Doctor Who classics on DVD, I'm almost up to speed with all the classics. The base stories of the first of uh, the first two Doctors have been for me well weak because many episodes are not readily available or lost. I am, however, up to speed on all the new stuff from 2005 and on. Christopher Eccleston and David Tennant have rekindled that flame of Doctor Who with great energy and professionalism. Isn't it great how so many of our listeners chime in and say that, that, that you know they were a fan, maybe a casual fan of Doctor Who, interested in the classic show, and they've seen bits, you know, maybe of the new series, and that's kind of rekindled their love for Doctor Who, which is awesome. Yeah. Anyway, he goes on. He says, I heard from last week that uh, the Planet of the Dead special was to be discussed, spoilers and all. So if it's okay with you guys, I thought I would put in my two cents. My overreaction to the Easter special 2009 was satisfactory. Why only satisfactory? Well, I believe that the time constraints have a lot to do with how well the story develops. In the case of Planet of the Dead, I felt that it was a bit of a rush job. There were just so many areas to explore, and overall the story fell short, because the attention was diverted away from the story's main character, namely the Doctor, only to focus on a professional thief from Earth. Don't get me wrong, Michelle Rand's acting was marvellous, and not to forget the fact that she is absolutely gorgeous. But the focus on her character, and maybe even the actress herself, worked against the overall tension perhaps intended by the show. There was the potential for a real fear factor in this story, especially when you involve flying metal alien stingray omnivores. I, sadly enough, did not feel that factor. The other character, though, uh, I thought, was the counterbalance that seemingly the perfect character, Lazy D'Souza, was none other than Dr. Malcolm Taylor. Dr. Taylor was a very interesting character indeed, because that brilliantly, totally absent-minded professor persona was uh, a well addition to the team was working very well. It set a lively and humorous tone for everything that happened on the other side of that wormhole. Dr. Taylor's emphatic and repeated I love you to the doctor had me in stitches because it was honestly coming from the heart. That energy and sincerity added to the episode's enjoyability. Dr. Taylor was a lovable, earthbound, accident-prone geek in contrast to Lady D'Souza, who, on a different world at the other end of the universe, too conveniently managed a lot almost effortlessly and with a smile. I was conf uh, concerned for the unexplained reason why Carmen, a low-level human psychic, was able to pick up on voices that the Doctor was unable to hear. The Doctor of all people should have picked on, up on it right away, since he's far beyond the mere psychic telepath low-level range, and since there is a significant overlap between psychic abilities and telepathic ones. It would have been great to include a reason in a subplot, since the Doctor shows his great psychic telepathic abilities in, ep in episodes like Planet of the Ood and The Pirate Planet, among others. The closest thing to any psychic stroke telepathic ability that the Doctor alluded to ha was having was on a, a more basic level, instinct. Aside from the metal stingrays, uh, the tritivores were awesomely designed and well-thought-up aliens. The clicking language seemed appropriate to the species. However, their uniforms were reminiscent of Earth grease monkeys. The CGI <laughs> works well and was great when the swarm was shown in flight. At the end of the episode, I thought it a bit out of character from the Doctor to allow a thief to go free, even if he admits to a bit having stolen the TARDIS from his people. 
the values of law the doctor proclaims to uphold seemed off center by the act of aiding the thief escape police custody from the other side of the coin and the doctor's defense i guess that he wouldn't be the doctor if once in a while or almost every time he didn't do the unexpected I realise that, in its duality, Planet of the Dead is one part of four specials in 2009, a special transition that will lead us to the inevitable presentation of the 11th Doctor, and I, for one, can hardly wait. I tip my hat to the Podshot crew for putting up such a great show. Keep it up. Best wishes, Jim. Cheers for that, mate. And I completely agree with you um, in terms of the Tritivores and their Grease Monkey-style uniforms. Yeah, I thought there was cool <laughs> we we commented this on the live show as well i mean they they, they they're both shop at the same place at the weevil shop and where the ood shop that's uh, they... <laughs> well i just thought it was a bit of a shame that they didn't you know they could have stuffed a little amy and i were talking about this after we'd seen it it was a shame that they couldn't have just stuffed a bit of foam down there you know down there their uh, grease monkey overalls to you know just to allude that they were they were more than you know Blokes human actors with fly you know, with, heads with, on. He, with, yeah. with head makeup and, and hand makeup. Yeah, why didn't they have wings, for instance? They could have just shoved some foam down the back of the, you know, uh, or maybe given them a hump or something to allude that they had wings. It was it was a little bit lame on that level. But he made some nice points, and cheers for the email, mate. That's really, really cool. I also well, have um, an email from Rassilon um, about Planet of the Dead, but I think we'll leave that maybe for next time, as it's also an, quite another lengthy email. But don't worry, mate, we've not forgotten about you. Yeah, we get a, uh, a ton of, of email and feedback, which is great. and We love it and keep it coming. Feedback at podshock.net. Occasionally we get spam. And I, I, I put this in the, in the Podshock folder in my email just because I thought it was hysterical. Uh, the, <laughs> the now subject, we're reading spam. <laughs> the, well, because the subject says, a doctor who only makes house calls. A Doctor Who only ah. makes house calls. Yeah. I open it up and it's a Cialis ad. Yeah, I got that. I thought it was a genuine piece of feedback because as well. Because it said we... Doctor Who. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I like, oh, you guys got us. Yeah. See, they could market that drug in a Doctor Who format. You know, it rejuvenates you. It re- regenerates you. <laughs> oh, Helps dear. you regenerate. <laughs> it keeps you going and going and going. Mm. Oh. <laughs> But if it lasts for more than four hours, please consult All a doctor. Right. Oh, dear. <laughs> well, uh, is it, is Don... this advice to Podshock fans as well? <laughs> yes, Don... if a Podshock lasts for more than four hours, please consult your doctor as well. <laughs> yeah. exactly. uh, Don sent us an email uh, just pointing out about uh, the Toronto uh, Who party. And um, and I know Lewis would responded to him, but I wanted to make a, a shameless plug out to them just the same. Uh, our friend's... In Toronto, uh, Mike Durin, a Canadian correspondent I know, is is involved with this. And it's Who Party 14. It's a Doctor Who convention Saturday, June 13th, 2003. The Best Western Primrose Hotel, downtown Toronto. Rob Shearman is one of the guests, as well as Toby Haduk. So um, Who Party Toronto. WhoPartyToronto.com is their website. You know, and that also reminds me that we've gotten a couple emails or a couple uh, messages uh, via our our presence on Facebook, and uh, a couple of those are concerning local Doctor Who fandom. Just um, this this I one. I call. Yeah, this one comes from James. He says uh, that he lives in Portland, Oregon, home of uh, Powell's Books, and he's looking for Powell's good... Books is a famous bookstore, by the way. I'm a Tom Hart, a 
Tom Hartman listener, and he always mentions Powell's. So go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So and he goes on to say that um, he's asking if there's any groups you know there or nearby there, and he used to belong to Friends of Doctor Who, but that was uh, 20 years ago. Uh, he goes on to comment saying, "Great podcast. I loved looking over some of the photos from the convention. Keep up the good work." So. Again, a call out to anyone that's um, in the Portland, Oregon area. If you know of any Doctor Who organizations there, let us know so we can let James know and let all our listeners know as well. Well, well let's, let's say it even further than that. If you are a member of a group or you'd like to start a group, reach out and we'll put you guys in touch. And on mm-hmm. that same note, we got another one from Leela who asks if there's any Doctor Who fan groups in Utah. So, again, another call out. If you're at, you know it, if you're out there and you know of one or you're in one, please let us know. Yes, yep. absolutely. And uh, that being said, I'm going to uh, mention DWNY.org. They have uh, their meetups coming up. Their calendar is on their website, DWNY.org. Uh, Lewis and, and myself and Billy, the white robot himself, have been frequenting frequenting their uh, their meetups recently because it's just great fun they have a really great group of people that that get together a very social group very easy going and and so we've been making our trips into manhattan and it takes a lot for me to go into manhattan because it's just sometimes it it can be a little overwhelming and i, and I love going <laughs> i wouldn't miss it cool well, we also have we we accept audio feedback as well you can send it to us uh via feedback at potshock.net if you send us an mp3 file or any audio format, or MP3 works best because of its size. We also have a Doctor Who public call box. So if you don't have, if you if you don't have a microphone attached to your computer, you don't you don't have the means of making a audio file. You can uh, just simply call on any phone. Two zero six six zero zero six five one seven is the number. Again, that's a U.S. number, so please keep that in mind. Two zero six six zero zero six five one seven is the phone number for Doctor Who Pachak public call box and. To that end, we did get a couple um, audio feedbacks that we would like to, to uh, play for you. And the first one up is uh, that was sent to us via email is from Fox Cutter. Hello, Podshock. This is Fox and Redmond. I thought I'd just chime in on your previous conversation about the BBC Online and the licensing fees. Personally, I think it's reasonable for the BBC to want to limit their online content to the people who pay the licensing fees. That being said, I have a counterproposal for the Beeb. Let us pay the licensing fees. According to the BBC's website, the licensing fee averages out to about £12 a month. At today's exchange rate, that's around $18 US. Now, while on the steep side, I would be willing to pay $18 a month to get access to the BBC online. And this just wouldn't be for Doctor Who. This would be for everything the BBC provides. Of course, mostly it would be for Doctor Who. Even so, I think it would actually be a pretty fair deal for everyone involved. We get our shows, and the BBC gets its licensing fee. Frankly, I can't think of why they wouldn't want to do something like this other than the overhead of account management. Either way, I think it's a good idea, and I think the BBC should at least look into doing it. That's just my two cents. Keep up the good show, guys. Okay, I think we spoke about this plenty of times in the past, and something that we both advocate is um, getting these episodes and making them available universally across um, across all boundaries, you know, and... I know there are deals that have to be made as far as um, selling them to overseas markets and all that, but I don't know. People are in the U.S. are really itching for these episodes. Uh, let's see. We, just uh, by the way, if you if if your real first name is Fox, that's awesome. Especially as a, a as a big time X Files fan, that's <laughs> that's great news. 
we had a, we had a, a ton of people uh, emailing. Um, Bruce Strong sent us an, e- an email about just a, a nifty little thing on. And it's funny, I was watching this because I was in Pennsylvania and I saw this on there, but I didn't hit the little Comcast in, in info button. But by accident, the um, BBC America, the little info button that tells you about the programming on Comcast for some reason read uh, read out some. Um, um, it was to... a, it was a, a story with Liz Sladen, right? Yeah, but it was a Douglas Adams quote. <laughs> it was was up there for some reason. It, it just kind of silly. We it's it's either someone with a with a great inside joke or something. I don't know. It's you're, just you're, it's talk, the... you're talking about the screenshot he sent us. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. He, he sent a picture as well with uh, uh, with was, the they, they the showed yeah, and the description was um, the Santaran experiment, the 1974. Um, Harry and right. Sarah, Sarah yeah. walk down into a trap in a uninha- uninhabited Earth. You know, sci-fi. This was supposed to be a, the description for the 2008 story, the Santarin Stratagem. Was Stratagem? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Easily done. <laughs> Easily mix up there for casual Doctor Who fans. Not. Had a, a quick email here from, um, well, he, he's called a guy called Ralph. He says, "Hi guys, I came across your website and wanted to ask a quick question. I've been a big Doctor Who fan since I was a kid, and I was at a, a memorabilia show recently, and there were some dealers selling DVD box sets for each Doctor. Not being familiar with the dealers, I didn't buy them, but I was wondering if you could recommend a reliable source to get the complete series, all seven Doctors, on DVD." Thanks for any help. Cheers, Ralph. Um, I guess, I don't know. What do you guys reckon of being in the States? um, What would be the best place to buy uh, box sets, DVDs? I guess Amazon's always a good port of call. Uh, Uh, Discount DVD is another good one. Yeah. Yeah. But but those, anytime you see like these box sets where it's like the complete John Pertwee series, you know, every episode, and it's only $30. Um, they're usually just burned VHSs and it's a bootleg copy and you should avoid them at all costs because we don't yeah. need to encourage people. Yeah, it was smart to uh, to avoid, um, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with the dealer, if you've never heard of them before, and it, it, it does all look a little bit dodgy, it's probably not the best yeah, idea. We should state for the record that there there is doesn't exist a whole box set of every single episode that's been released. If you see that, yeah. then you know it's... it's Right off the bat, yeah. you know, it's dodgy. Although yeah. although Amazon has a package where you can get every release DVD release up yeah. to this point, and they have like a, a bundle pack. But that's it's not complete. It's just every DVD that's been released so far. Yeah. I, so I there are yeah. And then they kind of they they the ultra collection or ultimate collection. I mean, they just kind of give it a name, and there isn't any collector's box to it or anything. I think they just like you said, they just bundle them all together. Mm. Well, mm. we we got one more in the public call box, and we'll play that right now. Hello, gentlemen. This is Mike from West Palm Beach, Florida. On a recent podcast, they were talking about rights of Torchwood and Doctor Who in the United States. Being in West Palm Beach, Florida, I've yet to see any of the new specials for Doctor Who, either last Christmas or the present one that was just played. Do we have an airtime for what network will carry it in the United States? I'd appreciate it. And by the way, I love your show. 
Good day. Yeah, did you detect a certain theme running through our feedback today? Uh, unfortunately, there hasn't been any official announcement as far as either BBC America or the Sci-Fi Channel, soon to be the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, playing these stories yet. We're assuming that they will, but as of yet, we don't have a release schedule. And that's yeah, something that's they, very much of a concern for many people here in the States and people that want to watch this, these stories. And unfortunately, you know, we're, they hear us talking about them and they don't have an opportunity to see them. And unless, you know, you're you're in the UK and I think they may have um, um, the next doctor, I think, has been announced for other countries outside the U.S. outside of the U.K., but have has yet to um, seen it and here in the U.S. yet. Hmm. Hmm. Right. Well, well, when there is an announcement, we'll be sure to make it known here on our podcast. And also, as always, stay tuned to our website, podshock.net or gallifrandomacy.org for announcements there as well. Did we, Definitely. on the last episode, did we read out Kent from Minnesota? Did, I'm, I'm sorry if, I, if we did and we're repeating it, but he, uh, he, uh, he had sent a, a couple of of emails in and we did get them and he, he was asking if there was any place that that streamed doctor who on the internet and the answer to that is also i, I believe is officially no yeah uh, but I, i'm occasionally an episode pops up on youtube uh, usually if something's complete i think they take them down because of the uh well you can get them from itunes and if you have an apple tv you can it's you know you can purchase it and it will start streaming you can start watching it as it's, it's coming down you know it's downloading I don't know if, if it's available on Hulu or not. I, I don't use Hulu, so... Uh, I haven't seen it on there. Okay. Yeah, I, well, that's, it's, that's it's only available in the States, isn't it, Hulu? Um, yeah. So I, don't, I think it's only... Is it only U.S. programming on there, I think? Well, well, NBC sure. has the rights through SIFI Channel. Mm-hmm. Oh, to, I see. So, okay. I, you know, maybe along those lines, they would, they would allow it to air, but, but it's not one of their shows. They're purchasing it to play on their channel i don't know how that that kind of shakes out and then in the uk you have uh, tv catch-up is um like sort of your version of that right where you can watch uh some of the back episodes from the beeb uh, yeah uh, and the and the iplayer as well right as the- yeah that's that was going to be my next suggestion is the iplayer they they often repeat um uh the past few series of doctor who on um on bbc3 and when they do, it's it's always on uh, um, the iPlayer a few days later, mm-hmm. which is awesome. So I know that they've been showing the second series, David Tennant's first series. They've been showing that, and and they recently went through um, just before Planet of the Dead aired. They had uh, series four on again, which was really cool. So you know, for the yeah. people who wanted to to catch up and have maybe a, a doc two marathon or whatever. It was really awesome. That they did that. They had a series catch up online, which is really great that the, the beep did that. Oh, I thought it was really awesome that they, uh, they had that on BBC three and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's really cool. So well, K- Kent is from Minnesota. So um, a catch up in the iPlayer isn't available here in the States, but sadly also, not at one time. Wasn't uh, Amazon offering unbox set unbox um, videos of doctor who that you could download. I don't know. I heard rumors about that, but um, I'm not sure. no, they, they still have they some downloadable things. That... I'm sorry, Ken. What was that? No, I, I I don't know if the, what they're doing in the UK, but I think some of the classics are still available from mm-hmm. them, aren't they? 
I, that's what my assumption is. I, I haven't checked recently. I know at one time yeah, I, I, they were ordering I, I buy the Doctor Who stories. I buy the boxed ones. So. Yes, same here. What else do we have? I'm looking through the, the email. Just a just... couple of emails um, oh. that I've flagged up here. Um, I want to give another shout-out to Eugenia, who's uh, one of the lovely ladies over at uh, womentalksci-fi.com. And she says, says, thanks so much for the wonderful plug for our new podcast site. We hope that you'll be able to keep sending you reviews as time goes on. Joe and I also love other British sci-fi. Let us know if you'd like to comment on anything that you may be discussing when you do one of your Hitchhiker's podcasts. Eugenia and Jerry. And it's awesome that they, the subject was simply, you guys are so lovely, which I thought was... <laughs> so they I have, thought... On their MySpace page, they have a, a logo now for, for uh, Women Talk Sci-Fi. And yeah, it's the it's two great. of them in a little UFO. It's hysterical. Yeah. It's really good. You can see a big version of that over at if you just go to women sci, uh, com, and they have um, they have four podcasts up now. I think, um, which is really cool because they've they've only been going quite a short amount of time, so they're pretty prolific. So uh, it's really awesome. So I felt that after such a lovely email, we had to give them another shameless plug, and nothing nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, the other email that I flagged up was from, I, I don't think I read this out last time, was uh, from a chap called Ian Chesterton. And he says, Good day, Doctor Who Podshock people. I'm a long time listener, first time feedback sender. Uh, I'm trying to r- tell you uh, about how I recently went to my first Doctor Who convention, Doctor Who Down Under, in Melbourne, Australia, with Peter Davison and Mark Strickson. They were both very busy, as not only did they go to the Melbourne convention the next day, they also went to Sydney for a convention there. And I enjoyed the report on the Sydney convention in Podshock number 144. So that must have been from Eugenia. The convention was a great day with Q&A sessions, a photo session and an autograph session. There were some interesting questions asked. For example, when Mark Strickson and Peter Davison were on stage together, one fan asked Peter, who was your favourite companion from your era as the Doctor? Peter glanced at Mark next to him, paused and then said, Nissa. It was a great day and I'm now waiting for a DVD of the event to be sent to me. And that's from Ian, who's aged 14. So thanks for that, mate. That's really cool. Uh, it's, it's great to hear that so many people had the chance to, to go to that con. It, it really sounds like, uh, I, I wonder if it's going to be a regular thing in, uh, in Australia, because it seems like a, a really great con and might well be the kind of Gallifrey of, of Down Under. So really, really cool. Mm. There's the, the tradition will continue. And, and thanks for everybody who went for supporting mm. it. because That's a good thing as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I, you know, I received an, an email from from someone, and I can't find it. And we, we were just talking about um, the the ladies talk sci fi, and I, they were the email was specifically about uh, female participation in fandom and stuff. I, I can't seem to find it, so hopefully, I'm going to get it for the next one. And I'm only mentioning that because if you're hearing this, you're going, "Why is he blowing it off?" And I'm not, so. <laughs> what happens is you between Facebook and MySpace and 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 regular feedback email, you get you receive so many messages. It's just I'm, crazy, I'm yeah. Disorganized to begin with, so be that Sorry. as it may, we do enjoy your feedback and keep them coming. Again, you can send us your feedback to feedback at net. and as Ken had mentioned, you can um, also find us on Facebook. And both uh, James and I are available on Twitter as well. So. Uh, Louis Trapani uh, is my Twitter account, and James is uh, James Norton. 
and uh, one day we'll get Ken there as well. Yeah, it and... took me this long to get onto Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> We're dragging you into the 21st century, a Ken. Kicking and screaming, yes. Exactly. Yes. And of course, our website, gallifrandembassy.org or podshock.net. There's uh, constant activity in our forums. And, um, also and we want to thank everybody for that, because yeah. that's yeah. great. It has a life of its own, and it's amazing. <laughs> that, you're not wrong. I can't keep up with it, to be honest. It's crazy, but it's uh, it's awesome. And, and I have to thank um, uh, a lot of our contributors, particularly Dave AC. He's always on there and is a great moderator and a great friend of, uh, of Dr. Who Podshock. And um, hopefully um, I'm going to do a Jedi mind trick on him and try and get him to uh, – I'll be going to an event down in Derby quite possibly in September, and I'm going to try and – uh, see if he can come along and I can meet him because uh, although he's just a short sort of journey away in Manchester, I've never met the guy. But uh, so just you heard it here first. If you're in the UK and go to conventions, if you come along to, to Derby in September, I'll be there and maybe uh, maybe Dave AC will be as well. That would be fantastic. Oh, you know what? Speaking of which, and at the time we're recording, this is right on the cusp of the Fab Cafe event taking place uh, this upcoming Sunday, which by the time this podcast goes, goes out, it'll probably be past tense. But Dave AC will be there. Dave AC Cooper will be reporting back to us on uh, on what you know transpires there. So we cool. look forward to hearing more from Dave. Dave, you know, concerning that event. I think he's yeah. there in 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 multiple roles. I think he's also there as part of CIA. Oh yes, yes. So um, she's wearing many hats, and I think Tin Dog is going to be there for his and. Who cast? So everybody's kind of divvying up that that, that event. It's pretty mm. funny. Mm. Mine, mine. You're pulling it. No, but it's great because whether everybody's reporting on different things, and hopefully we each bring something different to the table, and that give you an excuse to subscribe to everybody else's podcast too. And in between podcasts, <laughs> there's various websites that you can go to. Outpost Gallifrey, as we mentioned, our website. And if you are looking to buy. Doctor Who DVDs. I know we've been talking about that throughout this episode. There's links on our uh, website that you can go to, which are, will point to Amazon, that you can purchase these DVDs. It won't cost you anything extra, but it will help support the podcast. Absolutely. And, and you know, many times when you order things online, and in particular if you're going to a, uh, something that, that's sci-fi or Doctor Who related, many times there'll be a little field either as to making comments or company name. And if you're not with a company, you just want to buy something and you put your name, address and other particulars in, you can always put Dr. Who Podshock, Podshock, Gallifrey Embassy, whatever, put it in those little notations, let people know that you heard about it on Dr. Who Podshock. And that's always a good thing for us. Yeah, definitely. And for Dr. Who in general, you know, especially if you're going to someplace like an Amazon or, or something like that, just let them, Beat them over the head with it. Let them know that, that podcasting and new media is out there. Maybe not literally. That would be uh, that you know, wouldn't be uh, metaphorically, of course. <laughs> no, I don't condone violence of any type. And also, we have new gear, new uh, shirts, and other gear that are, that's coming soon. Hopefully, by the time this ah. podcast goes out, they'll be available on our website. So check it out: gallifrandembassy.org/podshock.net. We'll get you there. And um, Lewis we'll has a few things up his sleeve that are actually well, very, very cool. So let's, and there's let's see what's too. So it makes my biceps look really big. <laughs> it just makes it that much easier. And you're, you know, you're, you're, you're supporting the podcast when you pick up something. And that's always a great thing. That's why we say it's supported by, by listeners like you, either through a, a donation by hitting the donation button or by picking up some pod swag. It's always a good thing. You're supporting us 
with a monetary contribution, and then you're showing your support every time you wear or if you kiss, you can't wear a mug or a mouse pad. Although you could try. That would be kind of cool. I hear it's the latest trend now. That's it. You're going to make a fashion statement. <laughs> but it's very cool. And, well, that's it. We've done enough shameless plugging and shilling of our various wares and knickknacks and things. Do we have anything else before we bring this episode of Podshock to a close? As far as I'm aware, no. What are Lewis? we doing for the hundred and fiftieth Podshock? That's only a couple. Of I don't know. Maybe we should we should plan something, shouldn't we? we? You know, we were talking about the start of the show. We don't actually ever plan anything, but we should we should have a a little shindig, shouldn't we? Maybe we should get a few people on. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to think about it. Mm. Though technically, right. we probably did our hundred and fiftieth podcast, you know, a while ago. Since we oh, do stop. those, no, we do those aftershock Head episodes. <laughs> so move along, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> being difficult officially numbering oh, but wise. you know what speaking of 150 podcasts we uh want to give a shout out to um yes to russell right russell's coming up uh, russell hale his his podcast is uh it hit its 150th episode he's been quite prolific with that so uh rambles with russell thumbs up to you and congratulations on 150 yeah He's overtaken you us. Don't, you don't look a day over 149. Indeed. Well, as I said, we, we, we do those Aftershock episodes, too, that don't fall into our number sequencing. So Difficult. It's, He's being difficult, James. Well, it's just a number. <laughs> He's being difficult, is this, James. Is this the point where we play... Sure. Okay, well... Thanks again, everybody. We'll see you for episode 149, where if we stay on target, we'll actually do something about Doctor Who Easter eggs on the DVDs. So. But uh, don't, don't, don't hold us to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Cheers. Take it easy. See you next time. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock by the fan-run GallifreyEmbassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next time for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Opening theme by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This is Louis Trapani. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Trapani. Follow James on Twitter at twitter.com slash jamesnorton. And of course, follow Dr. Who Pachak on Twitter at twitter.com slash Pachak. This Art Trap production is brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by donations from listeners like you. This 
seems to be something distinctly wrong. I can feel it.